want to welcome you to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and on location again, I've been bringing you a series of programs from the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, where we've been having a splendid time visiting with like-minded broadcast ministries, television, radio, print, social media. I've been hearing from great speakers and meeting great folks, too, along the way here. Late last evening, we had a staff meeting with Bach Radio Network managers that are here at the convention. So I had a little bit of time after dinner before this meeting, and I ran into somebody that many of you know, Don Johnson, who was one of the co-founders of Life Choices of Memphis many years ago. And Don also has been a fellow broadcaster, produces a show called Afterglow that has aired worldwide for many years. So Don and his dear wife were sitting there, and I pulled up a chair, and I met Ron Susick. And Ron is here with us right now. He's written a book called The Assyrian Prophecy, and I was intrigued by that. Now, I haven't had time to read this book but I thought it would be good if we could just have some table conversation about this. So, Ryan, welcome to Bot Radio Network. Welcome to the show. Byron, it is so good to be here. And you were referring to Don Johnson. He played a very important role in my life, quite by chance. Uh, maybe I shouldn't even be telling this story. I'd love but, to hear it. Well, I was at an NRB convention in Washington, D.C., like mm, 50 years ago. <laughs> I, seriously. Yeah. My wife and I were just married. And uh, a, a television owner grabbed me by the arm, dragged me across the floor, stood me in front of an older fellow, and said to this man, you asked me to find you a public speaker. Ron Susek is your man. This fellow pointed into my chest and said, if you're a public speaker, and if you'll preach my politics, I will put you in the White House. I started to laugh. My friend is turning green saying, don't laugh, don't laugh. This was H.L. Hunt, the second most wealthy man in the world. Oh, my. We went out to dinner together, and he was really pursuing me hard. And I told him, look, I am called to preach the gospel. He said, you can save a few souls along the way. I said, you don't understand. This is my life. And it was a kind of a defining moment when I'm, I'm, here's a golden egg being offered to me by the second most wealthy man in the world. The more he talked, the deeper my resolve was, no, I am called to preach the gospel. I did not, you know, this would be a very lost moment, uh, other than the fact that Don Johnson was sitting in a booth beside us and overheard the whole conversation. (laughs) And so it kind of goes back to a very defining night in my life when I, because I never lost sight of the fact that that night, it's like Satan was coming at me with his best offer. Yeah. And everything in me was saying no. And and H.L. Hunt got very irritated at me because, you know, I'm making this big offer. But anyway, that's my tie into Don Johnson. I think there's times we do have those defining moments in our life along the the way of our faith, especially if God has called you or you feel a commitment to something deeper. And and sometimes it's hard for people to understand who don't walk with Christ, who don't have Mm -hmm. the mindset of Christ, who are looking to walk in the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like gibberish. It doesn't make sense. Exactly. But there is something special about the calling of God on your life. Oh, if you don't follow it, it's to your own peril. Yeah. And I think that uh, we would not be talking about the Assyrian prophecy and what's what's happening in my life today had I made that decision. It could have been my destruction. 
Okay, so this book is out now, and like I said, I have not read the entire book, but I do understand that there is a scripture in Isaiah that really is foundational to this book. It's, it's the whole, the book is built around that scripture. It's in Isaiah 19, verses 23 to 25. It's so simple, Byron, that a child can understand it, and that's why my theological, theological <laughs> friends are saying, Ron, how did we miss this? Well, I believe that God shielded it for the right time. As he told Daniel in the one prophecy, close the book. It's not for now. You'll not understand it now. The book will open at the right time. I think that's what's happening with this prophecy. And the prophecy is very simply stated, Assyria, not Syria, Assyria, the Assyria in your Old Testament, Assyria, Egypt, and Israel these three will worship together. Now, what does that tell us? They're going to become of one mind, one heart, understanding one God. The definitions will be there. And a blessing to the whole world. Wow. That's telling us that the Messiah is not, he will be seated in Jerusalem, but the world will revolve around these three nations and any Gentile who is jealous of the Jews and bitter towards them, keep in mind, when the Messiah reigns, it's through one part Jew and two part Gentile. Okay, I want to back up a little bit when you mentioned about the Assyrian prophecy and making a distinction that this is not Syria as we know it today. Correct. So where's the geographical, where are the people group of the Assyrian people? All right. They are the 4,000-year-old descendants of Noah's grandson, Asher. And their first stop was in northern Iraq, which didn't exist then, Mesopotamia. So they have lived for 4,000 years on the land between the rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. That is their God-given home turf. So, and the, the Babylonians, of course, had an empire south of them, just south in southern Iraq. And so that's where they come from. They, they've been there all these years. Okay, the, the other son of Noah, Shem, of course, his son eventually was Abraham, yes. which we know was the promise of the Messiah and the promise that given to Ab- the covenant yes. promise given to Abraham yes. was through generationally through Shem's line. Do you realize what that tells you? Abraham was Assyrian. This is so interesting. It is. He see there were no Jews on earth until Abraham's grandson. That's when his name was changed to Israel because he wrestled with the angel all night. And so this is telling us that in Jesus is a Syrian bloodline. Okay, so how does the light turn on in Ron Susick's life where other theologians, where's this been? Or we haven't seen it. (laughs) I'm glad you asked that question. It started so simple. I didn't see God calling me into this when it happened. Nearly 30 years ago, I'm reading through the book of Isaiah and I read Assyria, and I leaned back in my chair, and I said out loud facetiously, God, did you make a mistake? They don't exist anymore. They were destroyed in 612 B.C. by the Babylonians and several other countries. And I, I didn't pursue it. That nagging question kept coming back to my mind for quite a while. And then eventually I had read enough. I, ne- I still didn't think they existed. And I said to my wife, I was speaking at a, a worldwide convention for a certain denomination. I said, Diane, I'm going to speak on this. She said, Ron. Now, she sang for all kinds of prophecy conferences. She's a great singer. And 
And she said, Ron, no prophecy speaker has ever spoken on that. Are you sure? You know, wives aren't sure about their husbands. <laughs> I know mine's and, not sure about me sometimes. I know. <laughs> and I said, uh, Diane, if God raises them out of the dust of the ground, I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm just telling you, a child can understand that prophecy. I'm going to speak on it. A man came out of the audience at the end, right up on the platform, stood in front of me, and he said, Ron, I've written two books on that. If you'll write the next book, I'll give you all my research. I am an Assyrian. I got chills. It was like watching Lazarus come out of the grave. And where were you when you met this person? This was in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> we have an Assyrian in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, he was actually a, a pastor in Michigan who was attending this convention. Right. Well, then he he put me in touch with the uh, Assyrian news media out of the Middle East, and so I began to follow their news. And then when we went in and took out Saddam Hussein, that was the shock of my life when I discovered that there were one and a half million Assyrian Christians living in northern Iraq on their home turf. Yeah. Another million. Now, and a half. are those living together with the Kurdish people? Because northern Iraq had a population of Kurdish people living there, persecuted by Saddam Hussein. Yes. And the fact of the matter and what our news and what our government has not faced up to is that, that Iraq is the mother government. The Kurds are a, an, an, a regional government under Iraq, but they are their own authority. And crushed under them are the powerless, without any authority, Assyrians. I, I, I better not go any further with it than that. Well, you know, it's interesting because we were talking before going on microphone that our family were missionaries with Transworld Radio on the island of Guam. Hmm. While we were there, there was a great number, probably 15,000 Kurdish evacuees that left northern Iraq on CIA planes and came to Guam first hmm. as they were in a process of being resettled here in the United States. And actually, a number of those Kurds are living right here in Nashville. We're recording our show today. Mm-hmm. I think the population, you know, was scattered around the country here. But it's interesting. Uh, we volunteered with the Salvation Army to go and greet these planes as they mm-hmm. landed. People left with nothing, yeah. just the clothes on their back. Yeah. Their children had nothing, and we just were there for hospitality. I don't speak Arabic or the Kurdish mm-hmm. language, but was able to give a cup of cold water, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, a toy for a kid, yeah. and try to be there just to, as a smiling face and yeah. welcoming them to freedom, yeah. you know, and, and safety. So you're saying, that, and, and matter of fact, I want to get this in too. You mentioned to me that you had worked in some of the Mariana Islands, actually outside the islands, the Chuuk State Islands, I believe. Yeah. I worked with the governor and Cito Walter for about seven or eight years. I didn't live there. I would fly in and out. I was just so burdened that these people had not progressed since World War II. And there were some pretty bad conditions. And I asked him, I said, Governor Walter, could I work with you to help you write a master plan for rebuilding the civilization? To my shock, he said, would you do that? And and so we ended up in a very close relationship. And it's a long story. We won't go into it now. But yeah. I we ended up having a pro, when, when a professional son evangelist jump out of the boat like Peter and, and suddenly I'm in a world way over my head. What do I know about writing a national master plan? A professional said, hey, I'll donate my services. And we ended up with a $1.2 billion master plan professionally done. And so 
it, it, it's not fulfilled, but it's certainly there in place to be followed. Yeah, it's so interesting because I don't think a lot of folks, especially living here in the U.S. and people doing life here, you don't think about some of the islanders. You know, you, you think about Hawaii and the Hawaiian islands, which obviously are, are developed and westernized and commercialized. Yeah. yeah. But there's literally these little bodies of islands and faraway yes. places in the Marianas, the Chute State, the Yap State Islands. Yep, yep. And there's people there still live we use the word primitive to them. It's just the way they've always yeah. lived. We actually had an opportunity. The Air Force each Christmas does a thing called Operation Christmas Drop, mm. and they fly to the Chute State Islands, the Yap State Islands, yeah. and they have these skids of, of supplies. Yeah. And as a media, I got to fly down with them, yeah. and they open up these big C-130 planes out the back. They parachute out these cargo supplies. What an amazing thing to see islanders down and waving. and, and oh. zero tra- Such remote. You wouldn't even think they yeah. exist. It, you know, and they're so warm yes. and accepting and yeah. trusting. So you actually had time to spend with them on the islands. Oh, I was yeah. deep, deeply involved culturally with them. Yeah, learned so much and um, still have great friendships out there. And, and you know, in some of those islands, Ron, they are actually very restrictive. They don't even want outsiders. They don't want to mix their population with outsiders. They protect it. You know. Well, they they were hammered. They were first conquered by the Spanish. Then came the Germans, then came the uh, the Japanese. Japanese. Yep. Finally, they end up as an American care. Part of what I was arguing is that this is not adequate. All you're doing is throwing crust of bread to them. Yeah, we need to help them build a civilization. Wow, we could talk. We don't have yeah. time, obviously, and we're here to talk about your book. But yeah. I'm so glad we were able to at least touch that for. Yeah. Because my heart stills with the island people having lived yeah. there for three years. And coming back to the Kurds, I want to emphasize, while this book draws some pretty strong lines, God loves every nation, not just the Jews, not just the Assyrians, not just the Egyptians. God is the king of the nations of the world. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I want I want people to know right up front, this is not playing favoritism, but we better start orchestrating the world God's way, and only then will every nation be blessed by the king. Well, you say in the book here, Ron, while we do not know the ultimate blessing, Assyria, Egypt, and Israel will be to the world, it's not hard to see the enormous value Assyrian sovereignty will be to the world today. And You have a short list. Assyria will be another stronghold of Judeo-Christian biblical worldview. Assyria will provide a haven of hope for these seeking an escape from slavery across the Middle East. Assyria will establish truth-based education. Assyria will work closely as a new ally for Israel. I mean, the list goes on. Assyria will offer a free choice faith alternative to the forced belief system of Islam. Yes. I mean, this is contradictory to where we are right now. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, people will look at that and say, it's impossible. Of course it is. But that's where faith in God get become. It was impossible to get Israel out of Egypt. And God didn't choose a nice time to do it when Egypt would be happy about it because when you take a whole slave-based population out of your economic system, you collapse your economy for decades. Yeah. Moses really did them damage. And um, But uh, the bottom line is that when God is about to move, he's not harming people. He has an everlasting love in his heart. He loves the Kurds. He loves every Islam person on earth. And 
And to, to see him establish Assyria is going to be nothing but good for all of those people. Two, in our mindset, Ryan, we don't think about God establishing Assyria. We hear stories in Scripture and sermons on God establishing Israel yeah. and the promise of Israel. Yeah. And so why is it important for us to think about this promise for Assyrians? Here's why I take it so seriously. There's no one on earth who was going to give that prophecy uh, who, because Israel hated Assyria. And Assyria hated Israel. They were enemies. What would cause Isaiah to speak into his people a, a prophecy that would fly in the face of their hatred? I think that's part of what happened when, when he was called of God and God touched his lips. What did he mean when he said, I'm a man of unclean lips? I'm in agreement with my fellow countrymen against all these nasty people around us. And God had to say, if you're going to be my prophet, you've got to say what I'm saying. You put all your biases out the window. You can't rely on them. So here's Isaiah. This is what brings great credibility to me to this prophecy. Isaiah, knowing he's going to be hated by his own countrymen, maybe even killed, tells his countrymen that Assyria, who you hate and they hate us, they are going to worship with us, and together we're going to be a blessing to the world. Wow. Can you imagine the courage he had to have by faith to give that prophecy? I was just kind of comparing that, Ron, to where we are today, putting aside Isaiah's biased feelings toward the Assyrian people. Yeah. We're living in a world right now that is biased toward other people groups. There's division. But the Bible teaches clearly that God is a God who wants all nations right. to come under his worship and to know his son, Jesus. And let me try to jumpstart the church. Let's get out of this mentality that, well, we just do nothing until the Lord comes and then it all changes. No, we are to be seeking the kingdom now. There is the invitation for any nation to come to God. Nation to come to God is open to this day. And um, and I'm working with some people in different nations uh, at this point that want to move their governments closer to the ways of God. And so there's no reason why this cannot happen for the Assyrians to establish themselves as a statedly Christian nation representing the gospel. I love it when God takes the unseen yeah. and takes something out of nothing. That's right. Something that's currently chaos. We that's, know that whole region is just chaotic. That's the beauty of it. Wow. Because, see, this shows, uh, Byron, the power of the gospel. It not only gets you out of hell and hell out of you, it also is going to be the redemption of the entire Middle East. It's going to transform it into a region of love. Ron, we spend so much time talking about peace treaties, about peace accords, and what we can do to mentally come together yeah. as nations. Yeah. And we know it blows every time. Yes. You can't do it. Only the Prince of Peace can do this. And, and the Prince of Peace only, uh, God's power only flows through the cross, through the power of the gospel. God established it. And so here are a people who have been beaten into the ground for the gospel for nearly 2,000 years. You know that they became the greatest evangelistic force we've ever recorded in history. 
Our Western history books have not told us that. The people are going to be shocked when they read this book at what they're going to discover of our church history. How long did it take you to write the book again, The Assyrian Prophecy? The, the study, the intense study, a slow study for 30 years, but the intense study since uh, tw- uh, 2014, when ISIS attacked, I, I knew who these people were now, I, and God was pressing me. I had to do it. So it went in about four years of blinding, intense study and research. I mean, literally deep headaches. I was reading so many books, staring at computer screens for so many hours. And so it, it took about um, from 2014 up until last November to finally put the last period on. And, and, and also with a lot of help from scholars uh, that have really been such a blessing. Can you allude to any of the scholars? Oh, sure. Dr. Larry Kiefhofer is one of the top, knows his Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Uh, he's an Orthodox uh, theologian. He's sold over 250,000 books of his own. He's ghostwritten for Gary Smalley and quite a number of other people. So he's really an advanced intellect. Yes. And when he heard about this book, he nearly went through the ceiling. He said, Ron, <laughs> God has put you in a season. You've got to finish it, and I'll run it with you, and I'll help you. And, boy, he's been a great help. What was the most challenging part for you, Ron, writing this book? Scared to death. How in the world could God choose me to do this? No one's ever talked about this before. Um, and the only thing that gave me the courage to move on was that those scriptures, God chooses the thing that is nothing to bring to nothing the thing that is. God takes the thing that is weak to bring down the mighty. Here I am, a relatively unknown evangelist. How can God do it through me? And that that many times almost caused me to say, oh, I'm out of here. This, <laughs> this, this belongs to someone else. And then you just, then you talk to some friends and you pray about it and you say, okay, God, I'll, I'll keep moving forward. And that's how it happened. Okay, and the book is just out. How is it being received? What is some of the feedback you're getting oh, right now? Oh, my word. They're reading it in Australia, in Israel, in, in Germany, in Switzerland. Uh, it's just awesome. And I now have an invitation by a Jew, not a Christian, but a Jew who's a scholar. He's, he's rabbinically trained, but he, he's in um, uh, media. He asked me, would you help me establish an Assyrian embassy in Jerusalem? They're already working to blend the three nations. And I'm hoping that we may be able to establish a summit with leaders from those three nations to say, look, all three of you believe in Isaiah. All three of you see the same prophecy. Let's start finding out how we build our relationships. You wrote a seven-page letter to President Trump. Yes. What did you say in that letter? Basically, I outlined to him and encouraged him to be the Cyrus, to lead the charge, to restore them as a sovereign nation. Not that we would do it, just protect them. That's all they need is protection. They're brilliant people. They are as gifted as the Jews in creativity and inventions. They'll build the nation. And, of course, I don't know if the letter ever got to him, but we have reason to believe that we're not too far from this book ending up in his hands. The book right now is out. It's available where? Easiest way to get it is to go on uh, Google theassyrianproject.org. It's the best price that they'll get on it because there's a launch discount. And if you're in America, you'll get it. Uh, it's, the shipping's free. But it's theassyrianproject.org. I have a chapter in there on In Search of Cyrus. All we need is Cyrus. 
What was Cyrus like? How, uh, let me know what time we are. We're good. Okay. What we don't know is that Cyrus, you know that the Babylonians conquered the Jews, took them into slavery. In less than 50 years, Cyrus conquered Babylon and inherited all these thousands and thousands of Jewish slaves. In those days, and from the fall until those days, when you conquered, you conquered to control and to use. You get free military, you get free labor, you get all of this out of a slave. Cyrus was the first king, like a President Trump, who didn't care what anyone thought. And he wrote his philosophy on a cylinder that you never conquer to enslave, you conquer to release. And he was the man who said, God told me, even though he didn't know God, he said, God told me to send you home and to give you all this money to build your walls and your temple. That clay cylinder, Byron, exists today. It toured America just a few years ago. And guess who read that cylinder? Thomas Jefferson, while writing the Constitution of the United States, which is exactly why we do not conquer to take over. We conquer to set free, and then we go home. That began with Cyrus. And all we need is God to raise up the Cyrus, who doesn't care what the world says, and he, he's just <laughs> obedient to this, and you will see that prophecy begin to move to fruition. Oh, Ron, I love that. And I love the parallel that I'm hearing between the lines that God conquered for us at the cross. Yes. So that he could set us free from yes. our sins. Beautiful. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, my. God, you know, God never forces us to do anything. He liberates us even when we disobey him. Yes. He doesn't begin to clobber us like crazy. He'll chasten us to yes. wake us up. But his love doesn't, you know, his love is not based on our conduct. It's based on his character. And, and, it's, and you, can't, you can't shake it. Ron Susick, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much for taking time with Bot Radio and sharing well, your story, sharing the Assyrian prophecy. The book is available. Give the details how to get this book right simply now. Simply www.theassyrianproject.org. Dot org. They'll get a phenomenal price. If they're in America, they'll get the shipping free. It has been my pleasure, my dear brother. My honor. <laughs> I'm glad we met last night. That was providential. It was. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you for stopping by again. We are bringing you today's show from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention 2020 here in Nashville. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.